0: Please turn with me in your Bibles this morning to Malachi, chapter 1, please, Malachi. Malachi, the Old Testament prophet, the last book in the Old Testament. I'm going to read verse 1 through 5 for our text, Malachi chapter 1. The burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. I have loved you, saith the Lord. Yet ye say, Wherein hast thou loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, saith the Lord? Yet I loved Jacob. And I hated Esau, and laid his mountains and his heritage waste for the dragons of the wilderness. Whereas Edom saith, We are impoverished, but we will return and build the desolate places. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, They shall build, but I will throw down. And they shall call them the border of wickedness, and the people against whom the Lord hath indignation forever. And your eyes shall see, and ye shall say, The Lord will be magnified from the border of Israel. Uh, My title today of my message is The Love of God the love of God. I've got to say that from this part of Scripture, I, I didn't intend to go there for my text, but it seemed to settle out in my heart just right of the message that I want us to hear from God if His Holy Spirit would break our hearts and give us the capacity to really take in the truth of God's amazing love. There are so many places in the Bible we could go to attest of God's love. You know that. This whole book is a love letter from God. It really is. John tells us that God is love and that He really is. Uh, it's really the part of His attributes that magnify so much else of who He is. But it's not all God is, not love, for He's light. He's truth. He's merciful. He's omniscient, omnipotent. He's all loving, all kindness, and his loving kindness endures forever. Here in Malachi, though, I I think it's settled here because this is a transition book, uh, the book of Malachi before we get into the New Testament. And I believe that we're in a transition period right in our culture today. Um, Every time you get to a transition, you're going to find that love, is going to be needful, whether that's a couple becoming married, love, and what it, that commitment means has to be. Losing a loved one is a transition, and when you lose a loved one, it changes your life, and so love is a big part of that transition, and here we see that the transition of the economy and God's people is going to change. And so God wants to talk about love. And yet, sure as sure it, it is, that when we're in a transition, when life changes, so many times we, we forget about God's love. We are, have a tendency to forget. We have a tendency to be attracted to the love of other things and other situations in our life. And often when we have situations that happen that bump us and knock us around in life, we then wonder, maybe does God really love us? And so there's reason that we see this, that Malachi points this so strongly and clearly for the love of God. And I pray that the Lord would bless us. You know, the love of God, I was noticing in the bulletin and what a beautiful hymn we sung, the love of God. It's amazing to think about when I was studying that hymn a while back, I have a book, and some of you probably do, that has a history of the hymns. It's such a blessed reason. So many of them come from people that God has blessed in their life by His Word and experiences to become so close to Him. They had to, I believe this, joy, Rejoice Out it come out. And that, that song, The Love of God, part of that hymn was written by a prisoner on death row. And they didn't really find the note that he scribbled down that verse until after he'd been executed, right in death row. You know, when the Bible says there's nothing too hard for God, you see how the love of God can penetrate even our darkest time and hour. So what a blessing to see that and bless it. So let's talk about the love of God. I want to say four things about the love of God. I want to do that as simply and clearly and from God's scripture as best I can. I'm not about to say I can describe God's love. It's unmeasurable. Who The Bible says the breadth and the depth and the height of God's love. The width of it. You can't measure God's love. But I want to say four things. One is that it's a humbling love. It's the humbling kind, this love of God. Secondly, this love of God is a holding kind. Thirdly, This love of God is the helping kind, and then fourthly, the love of God is the hurting kind. Let's look at that from God's Word and from this text. First of all, the humbling kind. What an amazing thing it is to think about how God loved us. Why did He love us? He chose us before the foundation of the, lo- the world. He loved us when we were unlovable. Uh, Romans 5, 8, Paul says that we were loved by God when we were yet sinners. And God's love is an initiating love. We didn't have any capacity to love God until He loved us. And that agape love is not, a, not what we call affections like family love or, or romantic love. It's an it's a unconditional love where God so chose to love us, though unlovable. And he says that here. He has, says, Jacob have I loved, and Esau have I hated. And yet we know from Romans 9, and we find that Jacob and, and Esau were twins, and having, having done nothing evil, either one of them, yet God loved Jacob. And you know so many times in that transition of life, Seems like we can get in the way of God's love. God said, I love Jacob. And you remember Jacob's mother, Rebecca, wanted to get in the middle of all that and make sure that Jacob got the blessing. And so you remember she set him up to deceive his father so that uh, Isaac or Esau wouldn't get the blessing. And you know what happened? It caused him to have to leave. It caused a separation from from, uh, his mother and from Esau. And so we need to see that that God's love should really humble us. To know that God has loved us and we don't need to get in the middle of what God does and how He does it because He's God. He is sovereign. And what a blessing it is to see. Did you know that if God did not love you, If God did not choose you, if God did not initiate that love in your heart, you would never have become a Christian. Do you understand that? I mean, that's humbling to me. I'll tell you something else that's humbling to me is to know that as sorry as my life has been, to know that as as God has let, let this tree stand in His orchard, though it has borne so little fruit, and yet God says, I'm going to leave you, Randy. I tell you, it's a wonder that God had not zapped me and killed me already. I mean, we need to see what a blessing it is to breathe God's air. We need to see that God has is, is, is called us. He loves us. And what a blessing, it ought to humble us. God says in that Old Testament us prayer of 2 Chronicles 7, 14, we're so familiar with. If my people, one makes God his people, he loves them, shall humble themselves. We need to humble ourselves. You know, the, the transition, this book of Malachi, when it was written, it's a lot again about like, what are we going through? The people had decided that they had a little better way of God. They were trying to just root God out of everything, just like our world is trying to do. They were trying to replace God with social justice, and you cannot do that. You know, the world will say, the culture, well, you Christians, if you if your God is a God of love, then why, why is not everything all right? And we need to see the great need of the doctrine of God, the substitutionary death of Jesus Christ for our sins. It's not about making sure everybody gets the same deal. It's about understanding that God took our place and that God, because of His intervention, has provided us with an eternal glory, though we have not desired any of it. Romans 3, verse 10 through 12 says, God... He says, God says, there's none righteous, none that seeks after me. No, not one. And that includes all of us. And so when we see God and we love him, we know we love him because he first loved us. i tell you what, I've come to realize in my older age, and when I, when I think about my children and my grandchildren, I didn't know what parental love was until I became a parent. I didn't know what it meant when well, my parents loved me. I took it for granted. And I believe in eternal heaven, we'll see one day what it means for a God to love us and to, to it should humble us and bring us to the count. And that, that second clause, humble me, oh Lord, humble me. So then I to know that you love me and you didn't have to do it, God. You didn't have to. But he did it, and he loves us that way. In the book of Hosea, God tells Hosea, Hosea, go marry a prostitute. That's what God said. And he said, what do you mean? He says, "Go, what he's doing, he's making an analogy between Israel, because they have become a prostitute, and God loved them anyway. And all of this, God's people have denied him. Just like so many of us have, and yet God loved him anyway. In the book of Hosea, in chapter 11, look at that with me. Here's the end part of that verse, or that book. God uses an analogy of a disobedient people. That won't humble you, nothing will. God loves us in spite of ourselves. He says in verse 4, I drew them with cords of a man. Verse 4 of Hosea 11, with the bands of love. God says in Jeremiah 31, 3, He says, I've loved thee with an everlasting love and with loving kindness I've drawn thee. Listen to me. Jesus said in John 6, no man cometh to the Father except he draw him. That's what Jesus said. You have been drawn to the Father. Does that humble you? Does that humble us this morning that we can stand and sit and we can think and meditate and say, oh God, you have loved me. I want you to see that with me. I want you to understand, I have drawn them with bands of love and I was to them as they that take off the yoke on their jaws and I laid meat unto them. But the verse that really kicks my heart is verse 8 of that chapter. And God was about to give them up. And here's humbling love. They had just disannounced God. They have been disobedient. They have not acknowledged God. And God says, how shall I give thee up in verse 8? Ephraim, how shall I deliver thee, Israel? How shall I make thee as How shall I set thee as My And mine heart is turned within me. My repentings are kindled together. And verse 9, I will not execute the fierceness of mine anger. I will not return to destroy Ephraim, for I am God and not man, the Holy One in the midst of thee, and I will not enter into the city. God says, I won't do it. i loved love you too much. Oh, what a blessing. It does not mean that God will wink at sin. You see, God's love is a love that is a justified love. And that's a giving love. That's what humbles us about it. That he gave his only begotten son. For God so loved the world that, that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Man, what a blessing. I just want you to know it's a, it's a humbling kind of love, this love of God. It's so humbling. We have no reason for any pride. We have no reason to think any, anything of ourselves, only of God, that He's loved us. And you know what? He'll make us love one another. It will. It ought to. So it's a humbling love. It's a humbling kind. Secondly, God's love is a holding kind. It holds you kind. What does that mean? God puts a limit on what he allows us to do and not do. God puts his spirit in our heart. Do not try to kick and scream against your conscience, okay? It holds you. I know in my life how much worse sins I would have committed had not God held me, had not God put something in the way. I imagine you can find some of those instances in your life. How many times we've been in the wrong place at the right time. What would we have done if God had not intervened? And you know the thing is we didn't even know it. It's the holding kind of love, this love of God. God says in this verse uh, one or two, I have loved you, saith the Lord. Yet ye say, wherein hast thou loved us? Don't ever question God's love. See, these people say, well, God, if you loved me, you would make me rich. If you loved me, God, you would not have taken my loved one away. If you love me, God, you would just, you would just uh, bless me to be healthy. No, that's not love. The very problems you and I face are evidences of God's holding love. I want you to see that. You know, if God just let us go, you know why God holds, holds us? because he loves us. You put a dog collar on your dog because you, what, you want it. If it gets away somewhere, you want to know people can bring it back. You know, I remember growing up in the, in the, on the farm. We, everybody had hogs, and they run in the fields. And uh, my daddy would, would take hogs that wanted to get out all the time. You know, they'd get out mostly on Sunday, but they'd get out. I remember him putting rings in their noses. You ever heard of that? Some of you I know won't, but you know why? To keep them from rooting. Now, I have saw people with rings in their noses, but I don't think it was the same reason. I don't. But, but you know why? Because I, he wanted the hogs to stay where they needed to be. And I'm sure that there's a, there's a lot of us probably need some rings in our noses. They are. Because, because we need that, that holding. Look at, uh, look at uh, 2 Corinthians 5 with me. 2 Corinthians 5 in verse 14. Would you turn there with me? And let's look at it. Here's what it says. In verse 14 of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the Bible says, For the love of Christ constraineth us. You hearing? You know what the apostle's saying? The love of Christ constraineth us. That means it holds us. God loves us. The love of God is so powerful, it's the holding kind. It constrains us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. See, God's love, Jesus Christ, when he dies on the cross, it is so powerful and so profound that it constrains us. All that he died for. He does not say in that text that he died for all men, by the way. He said he died for all. He died for all that the Father gave him before the foundation of the earth. He died for you. He died because he loved you. And he died to humble you, to bring you to your senses and me and help us understand that not only did it humble us, it holds us too. I'll tell you what God's love does, it holds us up. When nobody else loves you, God's love is there. Don't you ever forget it? You can stand on God's love. It will hold you up when you're going through the darkest trial. It holds you out. Because even in the midst of your trials, God is shining through you. He's holding you out. He's blessing you. He's using you as a witness. Many of you in this room don't realize the light that is in you because of the love of God. And it'll never go out. He's holding you up, he's holding you out. He's holding you close. Isaiah says that he's near unto those of a contrite and broken spirit. Have you ever felt any closer to God than when you've been down and out? That's God's constraining love. That's why so many times, and I think I said this already, the the problems we face a lot of times are very evidence of God's holding love. God loves us. You ever wondered why you can't go to the parties now and and enjoy it like you once did? That you can't do the things that the world does and and feel good about it? Why, that's the holding love of God. That's what it's about. God won't let you do it, not and enjoy it. You know, one day, I remember right where I was on the Omaha River. And I was with a guy who chewed tobacco. And I remember I wanted to chew tobacco. Because I was going to think that would make me a pretty big guy. So I said, can I have some tobacco? And I don't know if it was Bull of the Woods or Red Coon. But it was in a little cake. And I remember he let me have it and I chewed it, and I swallowed it. And you're talking about ruining a fishing trip? I never chewed anymore. I bet Penny's thankful for that. You know, You know, you, you think about things can make us that we have to deal with. God is using it to hold us, to hold us close, and to hold us down. Where would you be if everything was just hunky-dory all the time in your life? I mean, what if God let you win the lottery? Where would you be? I don't know. you know, I know I'm a pretty little preacher anyway, but, but man, if, if I went to preach somewhere and there was 5,000, 10,000 people there, I would think something man, I think Randy must be something. I'm thankful that God holds me down. And sometimes leaves me in a puddle of sweat (laughs) because I'm nothing unless God holds me up. I can't even walk as the song says unless he holds my hand. And you can't either, really. But he holds us down. He held the apostle Paul down. You know, he saw the third heaven. Can you imagine? But he gave him a thorn in the flesh. Why? He tells us to hold him down, to buffet him, to make him realize that, that you know what, Uh, it's not that God's blessed me. We're going to heaven one day by the blood of Christ. But God's not going to let that go to your head because he's going to keep a thorn in your flesh. He's going to leave this little sin here somewhere that, that we know we need Jesus every day desperately that we're not going to get to a point that we're not going to ever need him. See, he does. He holds us stamp. I, I never will forget. Some of you, now I know this is going way back, but I, I mean, I don't hardly remember, but I had a preacher one time, Brother Elder Woodrow Beasley. I grew up under him. He's just one of those simple preachers. Maybe that's why I'm so simple. Brother Woodrow told a story one time about grace. I never have forgot he said up at uh, Kite, Georgia, where he grew up, he said they would take their cow. I mean, people had milk cows. And he said his job every day on his farm, his family, when he was a boy, said he took his cow and they led the cow. Those cows were tame, I guess. And said they would stake it out somewhere side the road or by the pasture on a long rope and put a stake in the middle so the cow could graze. See? And so in the afternoon, Brother Woodrow said when he got home, he would come back and get the cow, put her up in the barn. So he said most of the time when he went to get that cow, he said when he started, that rope might be 50 feet long, you know, got a lot of grazing. But he said when he went to get the cow, there might be 5 or 10 feet. What happened, he said, the cow just kept walking round and round and the rope just kept getting smaller and smaller. You see? Just, just winding itself up. And then it had, didn't have near the glazing room. I think we need to see that as, as how God's, uh, our disobedience rather holds us from enjoying all the blessings that God gives us in our lives. Holding grace holding love it's a holding kind it's a humbling kind it's thirdly it's the helping kind notice in our text the burden starts off the burden of the word do you know that your greatest help and my greatest help is the gospel of Jesus Christ now it will tell you the truth the gospel will walk to you and look in your face and say you are a sinner And we don't like to hear that, but it's true. And if we take it for truth, and if we heed it, we then know that in the back of that mirror is a reflection of Jesus, the Savior, who died for sinners. So the gospel will help you. We need to be so thankful for the love of God that we can come to church this morning and have the Word of God exposed. Many of you have been in Bible studies already. What a blessing to see the love of God. What a blessing to be brought up like many of you with godly parents under the influence of godly friends. It's the gospel. And you know, God loves us unconditional. But you know, God expects us to love Him. He says that here. These people said, "Wherein hast thou loved us? I don't think there's anything that grieves God more than to think that we don't love Him. How would you feel if your kids come to you and say, you know, I don't think you love me. Deuteronomy 6, Mark chapter 12, verse 30. I think it's Deuteronomy 6, 4 and 5. Here's the caption of the love of God. Here's the response. He says, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy soul, thy mind, and strength. He says that in the Old Testament. He says it in Mark 30 and other places in the New Testament. Love the Lord. That's the the number one commandment. That's everything in a nutshell. To love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy soul, thy mind, and thy strength. Jesus says in the Gospel of Matthew, not Matthew, the Gospel of John, let me, let me whip over there right quick. I think it's in the 14th chapter, the 21st verse. John chapter 14, 21. See if any can get to it. Here's what it says. He that hath my commandments, listen to it. This is Jesus. It's read in my Bible. And keepeth them. He is he that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my father. And I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Now what Jesus is talking about, as I understand it, is obedience. What happens when you and I obey God, then we sense his love. We won't sense his love when we're disobedient. It doesn't mean that God doesn't love us when we're disobedient. It doesn't. It just means that we can't sense it. The Bible says that nothing can separate us from the love of God, but lots of times we separate ourselves from the sensing of the love of God. Why? Because we're disobedient. God says this. God says that, that he is, is, we're to love Him, and we can't serve two masters. You know, if you've got an obedience problem, what you really have is a love problem. You hear me? A love problem. We love in the wrong things. We love the wrong things in the wrong order. What we need to understand is when we love God... Everything else is going to come in, we're going to love them in the right way. I've said this before, it's like a triangle. God is at the top of that apex, and we're out here on the sides. And the more we love God, the closer we're going to get to one another. That'll work in a marriage, that'll work in a relationship of any kind. But God's love has to be first. And so when we see God's love and we see the great need we have of loving God, that's where we need to focus. And it doesn't matter what we do, because if we're disobeying God, what we're saying is that we really don't love Him. He tells us in 1 John, He says, if we don't love Him, if we don't obey Him, we don't love Him. You know, I've heard people, and I've been guilty of myself, you start talking about people, criticizing everybody. You know, like you see on the news today, and like you see everybody, everybody, something wrong with everybody, you know what you're really proclaiming? You're not a child of God. Because God says, and 1 John says, if we, if we love God and we love one another, that means we love God. And we don't love one another, we don't love God. <laughs> one of the great assurances we have of, of, the, of the being born again is the fact that, that we love the brethren. So God's word helps us, it helps us. That's all we need, and He supplies all our needs. He tells the church in Ephesus in Revelation 2, you know what Jesus is surveying the churches. He knows what you love. He says, Peter, do you love me? There was a transition in Peter's life. It happens every time like that. Peter had been converted. Peter had been repented of his sin of denying Christ, but Jesus said, do you love me? Do you really love me, Peter? He tells the church at Ephesus, says, you've been doing some things good. You pay attention to a lot of doctrine and all that. But he said, you've left your first love. I believe that we as a people of God need to be mindful. We need to examine our hearts and say, where's my first love? Do I love God? How do I love God? Can you really in your prayer life, would I challenge you and me to go to God in prayer today and say, God, I love you. Because if you can do that and I can do that, we realize how insufficient our love is and how far short we come, but it means that we're honest about it. And we want to because you've got to face that with God. And then lastly, it's hurting God. It's love of God. God says in Revelation 3, Jesus says, those he loves. He rebukes and chasten. You remember the story of the prodigal in the New Testament, don't you? That father loved that son. He never quit loving him. He went off and, and he did all kinds of things. He he ruined his inheritance. He embarrassed his dad. And he got to a situation where his friends denied him. He didn't have anything to offer. I want you to think about the father. That father didn't send that son a Happy Meal. You hear me? He didn't? He didn't send him a basket of fruit or Chick-fil-A. If he had, he'd have ruined him. (laughs) Because God let him hurt enough, that father knew that and when he come to himself, he said, I don't have to live like this. God will not prop up a people that are disobedient. And God will not bless America till we humble ourselves and understand the the prominence of His Word, of His living style, and what God has called us to do. He won't do it. He can't do it. He's holy. He cannot deny Himself. You know what? We wouldn't either. Would you just leave your child poison to drink? Or oh, would you just let them stay in a burning house? Just because you didn't want to offend somebody? <laughs> now, God's not going to do that. His love is a hurting kind. But that's what it takes sometimes to bring us to where we need to be. I'd be willing to say if you haven't hurt, you haven't really seen the love of God and felt it in a way. Because every time you love, whether that's human love or love that you have when you lose a love and it hurts. Grief is the price you pay for love, but it's worth it. It is. God proved that on the cross, didn't he? Jesus Christ hurt for us. He suffered for us. Because he loved us. He brought us to himself. Do you not think the cross hurt? Do you not think being forsaken by the Father hurt? The scars. You sang it, Melanie. That song, The Scars. It's a testimony of the hurting kind of love. But it's the kind that matters. It's the kind that has depth, function. It's not frivolous flirty love. It's God's love. It's deep. It resonates in our heart. It brings us, it shapes us and molds us to be like Jesus. Because if Jesus hurt, then we can be sure we're going to hurt too. And sometimes it's going to hurt to give up our sins. But don't tell me when I see, and I've been there, when somebody's just so involved in drugs and addictions... And they look at you and say, well, why is my life like this? And so many times try to turn around. You ever talk to people, you know, that, 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 that just got these problems and they make you feel like you're the problem. And what you got to say is you got to wonder. You think God's going to let you live like that and just, just have it every, everything just right? No, he's not. He loves you too much. He's not going to do the church like that because he cleanses her with his word. And we need to thank him for it, for God's love. So don't ever let us like these folks in I say, has God loved us because God loves you. You don't ever doubt that. And if you're hurting, that's an attribute, God's love. So when God's showing you that he loves you, When God holds you back and God gives you those inclinations that you don't know where they come from, how many times He's prevented us from death and destruction and kept us back from things that would have destroyed us. Man, we are so weak like a sheep. And that shepherd is forever protecting us. And we don't even know what's lurking outside our windows. Not even in our neighborhoods. And God's love will help us. There's no greater pain reliever than this book, this great physician. Your heart might be bleeding. Your life might be broken. But I'm going to tell you that God's word will help us. The gospel of Jesus Christ, that's the help we need. And it ought to humble us to know how our God loves us. I know it does. I wish we could all rejoice more than we do about God's love. I wish I could preach it more profoundly, I do. But I guess, Lord, it just makes us think we got to just live it. we got to just go in the quietness of our personal experience with God and say, God, you know, I know you love me. You don't have to tell anybody. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be a singer, a musician. You just be fulfilled and filled with God's love. That's all you have to be. May the Lord bless us. This love of God, it is amazing love, just like His grace.